It is 11.30 here at KRVN. Nice sunny day here on this October 27th. Tyler Cabali along with you. Everybody's here. Jason Jorgensen in sports. We'll get the uh, preview for the business report in a couple moments. The one and only Bob Brogan. But as we do every day, let's get things started with Susan Littlefield as she gives us a preview of what's to come. Well, thanks, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a midday from the farm team. Shaley's going to kick everything off at 1219 as she talks with the executive director of the Nebraska State Fair, talking about the Nebraska Livestock Show. Then Chad will step in at 1245. AFAN has hired a new director of livestock development. We'll get more details. And then 117, Alex talks with the Osceola FFA chapter as they recently received a few grants that will be used to help jumpstart their school farm. That's a look at the midday from the farm team. Thank you very much, Susan. Uh, we'll turn it over to sports. By the way, this has been a rarity. It's probably been a long time, and I know that this seems to be a little bit more of normalcy. But, boy, we're just slammed with sports. We are. No complaints. Which is good. Postseason, college. Made it through the uh, tough times of the spring and summer, <laughs> and now we've got plenty on our plate. Right. There's a lot of sub-district volleyball going on across the state mm-hmm. tonight. Of course, we'll have action for you from Lexington. You will have the call on Kimmy Country and KUVR as Lexington takes on Holdridge. So we're moving through. They've they've found a way. Now, it is interesting what the NSAA proposed yesterday in terms of basketball and wrestling this winter, where they're asking the schools not to have doubleheaders for girls' and boys' basketball mm. and to limit their wrestling tournaments, or if you do have a tournament, to have half of it in one gym, half in the other. I don't know how practical it is. It it does make sense, but... Huh. The wrestling one seems to be a little bit more feasible because a lot of high schools now seem to have two gyms in one building, so that one seems to to make the, would make work. But do you have enough mats? True, that's a good point. Yeah. You you might say, hey guys, uh, we need you to bring your own mats, type of thing. The basketball one, and I had heard rumors about that. That's tough. So how do you, or do you split gyms, type of thing too? How do you not have a doubleheader? I don't know. I don't know. Can you uh, can you clone yourself? Can you and Scott clone yourselves <laughs> this winter? <laughs> this so is going to be wild. Be two different gyms, yeah, and all of the schedules have already been done. But of course, it could be reworked. So, is the NSAA saying that there is no doubleheaders for sure, or they're just asking? They're schools? not mandating. They're just okay. suggesting or wow. something to think about. So we'll keep you posted on that. Also, we'll talk some UNK football. Lopers begin the season on Saturday down in Pittsburgh, Kansas against the Gorillas. We'll hear from uh, one of the lead players for the Lopers on the defensive side of the thing, uh, side of the ball, Blake Bubach, the senior from Columbus. We'll have the game on Saturday over on 93 Point with the River. Also new this year on all of our UNK broadcasts, mm-hmm. you also can listen in and around Kearney on 106.9. Now, exciting stuff if you're in the Kearney area, so uh, different ways to listen if as the, well. If the river doesn't have enough punch for you, which works well for most people, mm-hmm. but but if it doesn't, there's there's a city-grade signal there in Kearney. Many options yeah. to listen to the Lopers and Jason Jorgensen, that is for sure. Uh, let's turn it over to Bob Brogan and Stocks. Uh, what are they doing today? Well, they're, uh, they're drifting today uh, on worries about rising virus counts and, and the inability to deliver more aid to the economy. Also... Uh, U.S. consumer confidence dipped slightly in October over uh, concerns about coronavirus cases. Amy Coney Barrett has been formally sworn in as the Supreme Court's ninth justice, and so those are some things that are making news headlines today. All right. 11.44 here at KRVN on the sunny 
Tuesday, early afternoon. Tyler Cavalli along with you, along with Paul Perkins. Taking a look at a regional ag weather update. And boy, temperatures today, as I've been talking about this morning, feel more like January and February <laughs> right now. Definitely. Uh, I was down near record level lows, uh, record low uh, levels for lows last night. Uh, we had some sub-zero readings in much of the Nebraska Panhandle, and including in the Nebraska Panhandle last night uh, and early this morning, wind chills down to around 25 below zero. Wow. How odd is it for these temperatures? Obviously, as you mentioned, 20 to 30 degrees below average, uh, but how odd is it for this to happen this time of year? Pretty odd because uh, we are in the midst right now of a seven-day stretch of probably a record cold week of temperatures. It started last Thursday when this cold air started to arrive through Thursday here. So this could be the coldest seven-day period for late October and so early in the fall. Wow. Uh, if we do make it, it does look like that forecast is going to verify, unfortunately. So. Great. Uh, good news on that, I guess. Something huh? that you could tell your kids down the way. <laughs> yeah. uh, the good news is, uh, while the temperatures are going to warm up a little bit today, uh, we also might see some warmer temperatures this weekend. Exactly, and probably a prolonged period of, of warmer and drier weather on the way. Right now, we do have temperatures in the snow-covered areas, mostly in the upper teens to the low 20s, but as you're headed to east Eastern areas of Nebraska and Kansas, especially along I-80 and to southeast Nebraska, those temperatures more so in the low 30s. You can really make out the snow cover if you look at a visible satellite map right now because the snow is reflecting back on that visible satellite map. And you're seeing snow across much of northern Nebraska, at least the northern half, into the south of the interstate in Nebraska on into northwest Kansas. The snow cover a little less sparse from Broken Bow and Lexington on over to about the Omaha area and much of southeast Nebraska. And that's where temperatures, once again, in eastern areas are in the low 30s, but we still have temperatures in the single digits towards Scott's Bluff. Sunshine for today with some weak high pressure moving overhead. Winds will be somewhat light out of the southwest as a warm front moves across the Dakotas. Temperatures will be milder, but still 20 to 25 degrees cooler than normal. Not as cold as the 40 degrees below normal temperatures that we saw yesterday. Expecting another chilly night tonight in the teens and some 20s, but luckily with some light winds. With nearly all the snow melted for tomorrow, our temperatures nudging up a bit further to around 10 to 15 degrees below average. Our chances increase tomorrow for a wintry mix initially, then rain later over Kansas and southwest Nebraska with an area of low pressure that tracks across the southern plains. Some of that rain or freezing mix may make it into far southern Nebraska tomorrow night into Thursday morning. Drier and milder weather do return for late in the week through the weekend as the ridge of high pressure builds onto the plains. A prolonged period of warmer than normal temperatures and possibly return to fire weather conditions arrive for next week. In the long term, it does look like we are headed towards a period of Indian summer weather. Mostly above normal temperatures are likely for the first nine days of next month. For early November, average central Nebraska daytime highs are in the mid to upper 50s with average overnight lows in the low 30s. And once again, expected to be above normal for that. It will be mostly dry with below normal precipitation very likely the first nine days of next month for Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and east USA. Good chance to get that harvest wrapped up. Weather factors influencing the markets include a short duration cold spell in the interior U.S. and increasing moisture chances for world wheat regions and crop areas of central Brazil. On the plains, a historic early season snow and ice storm underway from 
Kansas to Texas, the potential for damaging ice accumulations, the greatest from west central Texas into central Oklahoma, while snow is blanketing the southern high plains. Prior to the storm's arrival, more than a fifth of the winter wheat rated very poor to poor in Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, and Texas. The moisture will be highly beneficial for drought-stressed winter wheat. The interaction between the remnants of tropical storm Zeta and the winter-like storm should result in heavy rain from the Gulf Coast into the Ohio Valley and into the central and southern Appalachians. The Midwest and Northern Plains will be cold for the early part of this week before temperatures moderate to more seasonal levels the rest of the week, a milder trend that favors harvest progress. Central Brazil will see moderate to heavy rain this next week, offering additional improved soil moisture for soybean planting and development. Brazil's soybean planting about a fourth complete and is two weeks later than the average due to early season dryness. Russian wheat areas have a promising round of moderate to heavy rain in the seven-day forecast, which will be useful ahead of dormancy. But on the other hand, eastern, eastern Australian wheat areas will continue with periods of showers over the next seven days. That rain may be damaging to wheat quality just ahead of their harvest. So we hear dry weather, uh, temperatures warming up just a little bit as the week progresses. How about Halloween night for the youngsters? They'll be trick-or-treating. What will the weather be like for them? It should look much better than what we had last weekend. It looks like uh, kind of seasonal temperatures as we move towards the weekend and probably some temperatures into the 50s, maybe starting to get into the 40s by the time they're done. So you might need a light jacket. You're not going to need the winter jacket like you've needed the last couple days, but a light jacket at least uh, for Saturday night. Exactly, and you'll have an extra hour of trick-or-treating this weekend Mm. because uh, we go back to standard time Saturday night. (laughs) That's a good point, but if you're (laughs) trick-or-treating that late, goodness gracious. Also, you must have a lot of candy if you're giving it out that late as well. Uh, For more weather, where can you go? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you very much. Grand Island on track to host the Nebraskan Livestock Show. I'm Shaylee Peters back with you on the Rural Radio Network, and we are going to hear more from the Nebraska State Fair's most recent board meeting held the 23rd of October, where Executive Director Bill Ogg discussed the Nebraskan Livestock Show, what the conversation looked like to bring it to Grand Island, and what exactly will be happening at the Nebraskan Livestock Show set to happen in January at the Nebraska State Fairgrounds. Because there, there has been predatory competition to, uh, to substitute for the National Western Stock Show. I'd like to share just a little bit of history that piggybacks on that. Again, we, we did uh, immediately upon hearing the uh, sad decision of the cancellation of the National Western Stock Show offer them the opportunity to host their f- event here at Fauner Park. And I, I will not apologize for that offer. For many reasons, it was the right thing to do. So the National Western then, uh, candidly, because of the, the team members that endorsed Grand Island, Nebraska, to be their substitute to service the, uh, the livestock breed associations, their... Uh, Segway. There's Louisville, North American International Livestock Exposition, and the National Western Stock Show in Denver. Those are the two major international livestock shows that exist. So this is a big deal. What we are able to host and do well is the open class livestock portion of the National Western. It has 24 performances of PRCA Rodeo. It has a significant junior market livestock show. It has a huge trade show. It has 
world-class 24 days of equine competitions. What we're able to host and willing to host well is the open class livestock portion of that. So when people think or we get calls that, oh, you're taking over the National Western, that's wrong on two fronts. We're not taking over anything. We're trying to facilitate and accommodate the national breed, beef cattle breeds in participating in their 115 year history of going to Denver, Colorado. There's two components that are, and the other thing about that we're, that's very untrue is we're not taking over Denver. We are offering a substitute for those brief cattle breeds um, in cooperation and with the endorsement of the National Western Stock Show. What that amounts to though, in, of these two shows, Denver is known for the Penn Cattle Show. Again, a couple decades ago, it was called the Carload Show, and historically, uh, exhibitors from all over the country would bring literally a rail car of cattle, unload there on the grounds, and they would be exhibited as a group. That still happens. Again, economics and history has changed to where now it's a pen of three. We will replicate that pen show here in Grand Island, and that is a huge attraction to not only the registered breeders, but to those breeders in that sell primarily to the commercial cattlemen. So it is beyond a typical, if you will, or traditional uh, halter show of cattle where they're brought in individually and lined up and, and judged. This pen show is, is significant um, from a commercial and economic standpoint. It's also very significant in terms of an attraction to a major component of the livestock industry. The Nebraskan Livestock Show will be presented beginning on January 9th, 2021. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, since Oral Hershiser struck out Oakland's Tony Phillips for the final out of the 1988 World Series, the Dodgers have played more than 5,000 regular season games and more than 100 in the postseason in pursuit of their next title. They've spent $3.69 billion in player payroll over 32 seasons. One more win against the Rays tonight, and their elusive seventh championship will be theirs. UNK football team gets its shortened season underway on Saturday at Pittsburgh State. The Loper defense does have a few holes to fill due to graduation. Safety Blake Bubach of Columbus talks about how that transition has gone. There's been some growing that we need. We have had to do, um, obviously, at the linebacker position. Um, we've got some new guys playing on the defensive line. Um, so it's just about um, some of those guys at those positions stepping up and uh, learning the defense as best they can and just playing to the best of their abilities. Kickoff on Saturday is set for just afternoon. We will bring you the game on 93.1 The River. Also new this year, you can listen in and around Kearney on 106.9 and listen on the River app. The L.A. Rams bounce back from their Week 6 loss to San Francisco by taking care of the Bears last night, winning it 24-10. to Postseason high school volleyball continues across the state with sub-districts. Lexington, who's 16-15, and 15, they're the number one seed in the B7, as they'll take on 6-22 and 22 Holdridge in the first round tonight. Despite the number one seed, the Minimades have dropped four of their last five matches. Head coach Samantha Hammond says she's not worried about that recent stretch. We played some good competition to end our season, um, and we just kind of plateaued against those teams instead of kind of taking that next step to beat them. 
Um, we kind of felt like we were in all of those games, but just didn't do enough to, to win. Lexington has beat Holdridge all three times they've played this year. First serve is set for five. You can hear that match tonight on Cami Country, also in the Holdridge area on KUVR, and you can listen online at krvn.com. That's a check of sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Health is seeking members to serve on several health care boards. Professional boards are responsible for granting license privileges to health care providers. Full terms are five years long and most run November 30th, 2025, but there are also vacant partial terms available. Applications must be turned in by November 5th, 2020 and can be found by contacting DHHS at 402-471-6515. The following boards have vacancies, Board of Alcohol and Drug Counseling, Audiology and Speech-Language Pathology, Board of Cosmetology, Electrology, Aesthetics, Nail Technology, and Body Art, Board of Dentistry, Board of Hearing Instrument Specialist, Board of Medical Nutrition Therapy, Board of Medical Radiography, and Board of Nursing Home Administration. The number of deaths linked to the coronavirus has topped 600 in Nebraska, and the number of people hospitalized with the virus in the state remains near record levels as the recent surge of new cases continues. Nebraska health officials reported seven new deaths Monday to give the state 603 deaths linked to COVID-19. The number of virus cases grew by 702 to reach 64,499 since the pandemic began. And the rate of new cases ranked eighth highest in the nation. The state also said 427 people were hospitalized with the virus, which is just below the record of 436 that was set on Saturday. Nebraska's prison system continues to struggle with the spread of coronavirus among inmates and staff. The Nebraska Department of Correctional Services said Monday that it has placed its work ethic camp near McCook under quarantine after one inmate and three staff members tested positive for the virus. The release says the inmate has been isolated while the staff members are isolating at home. The news follows orders last week to quarantine the Community Correction Center in Lincoln after several inmates there tested positive for the virus. The department's website shows the total number of confirmed cases among inmates and staff in Nebraska's prisons has topped 260 since the pandemic began. Two inmates have died. Nebraska's health care providers and elderly and vulnerable residents will be the first in line to get a coronavirus vaccination when it becomes available. Governor Peter Ricketts and public health officials said Monday that they plan to give those groups top priority in their plans to distribute their limited share of the vaccine once it developed and shipped. Governor Ricketts says there's no certain timetable for when the vaccine will arrive. We're not expecting probably to see the first vaccines, and there's several of them that are going through phase three trials right now, but we're probably not likely to see those till the end of this year or early next year. Eventually, the vaccine will become available to the broader public. Ricketts said he's not planning to make the vaccine mandatory. The announcement came as Nebraska sees a record number of people hospitalized because of the coronavirus. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. 
Tune in to the Data-Driven Minute presented by CropTech Solutions each week as they discuss how a variety of data from your very own land can help you determine input solutions that lead to more cost-effective decisions and profitable returns. Tune in to KRVN each week on Mondays and Wednesdays at 7.20 a.m. to learn more about farming data and how it can improve the results on your acres. It's the Data-Driven Minute on Mondays and Wednesdays brought to you by CropTech Solutions. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. Let's get an update and a new employee with AFAN, the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska. They have hired a, a Director of Livestock Development. He is Chris Bosquet, and we're going to visit with him uh, here a little bit uh, today. Chris, we are well, uh, well, we are acquainted. We're well aware of your name. Uh, you've been uh, serving uh, agriculture, specifically the dairy industry, for a number of years here I- in Nebraska. Uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, This venture over with with AFAN. Uh, uh, what's uh, what's kind of taking place here over the last week? Yeah, Chad, uh, you know, uh, Steve Martin with AFAN and I have had some really great discussions about the role and, and what we can do together uh, at AFAN to help drive uh, livestock development within the state. And, and I'm really excited about uh, coming on board to help grow all assets of the livestock industry. And, and so uh, with that, uh, I'll also be continuing my role as the executive director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association as well. So I'll still, uh, I'll still be able to advocate for those Nebraska dairy farmers, and then I'll also be able to diversify my portfolio, I guess you could say, and, and uh, continue working towards growing the livestock industry in Nebraska and pork, poultry, and beef, and dairy, and uh, really work for our Nebraska farmers that way. So you before you had a, a dual role uh, where you were the executive director of the uh, Nebraska State Dairy Association, but you were also working for Midwest Dairy, Nebraska Division. Uh, can you speak to what's going to happen with that Midwest Dairy position? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, the Nebraska State Dairy Association chose to go with... Uh, with AFAN to service their contract uh, that they used to have Midwest Dairy do. Uh, and so Midwest Dairy is going to hire out a manager of farmer relations position. And so they'll fill my role. So the Nebraska dairy farmer uh, will still have uh, that farmer relations person working for them on their behalf. And then they're also still going to have me working on their behalf. So really it's a win-win for the Nebraska dairy farmer, um, you know, the NSDA is going to be able to really drive home on our on our specific strategy of growing the the processing capacity in Nebraska, as well as growing the the number of farms and maintaining the number of farms here in the state. And then you know dairy checkoff is just going to be able to continue the progress that they've had with uh, with a dedicated person in that farmer relations role. So all in all, the Nebraska dairy industry wins in this agreement and. Uh, Really looking forward to how we can serve our Nebraska dairy farmers uh, going forward. Okay. So, Chris, uh, again, we introduced you as Director of Livestock Development with AFAN. What is it about this job that kind of excites you? Well, Chad, I've got a a passion for agriculture. Uh, You know, growing up on a diversified uh, agriculture operation, a farming operation in, in South Sioux City, Nebraska, you know, I really enjoy uh, the people in agriculture and just, you know, basically everything that the, that the agriculture industry is about. 
and you know specifically livestock you know there's nothing that that can compare to working hard to raise an animal and and to milk a cow and and you know it's uh it's it's really a respected and, and honorable profession and um, you know that's one of the reasons that I was really drawn to the AFAN role is just the ability to continue working with those people to grow and, and to modernize some of the their operations and to, to recruit potential processing capacity uh, to the state. So extremely excited to keep working on our farmers' behalf because I respect them so much. Yeah. And I know you're just getting underway with, with your duties there at AFAN. This week's your first week with AFAN, but can you expand that on a little bit more? You said your job is going to be to, you know, to help develop and expand the livestock industry across all the species, but uh, what, what does that work entail? What, what are you going to be doing? Yeah, so the work that I'll be doing uh, is, you know, helping farmers uh, determine if uh, expanding their operation is right for them. So sitting down and looking over some of their financial information as well as potential sites that they might entertain. And they'll also be working with local officials to help get those projects zoned. So uh, as you know, Chad, um, AFAN is extremely active in the zoning hearings and going to stand up for dairy farmers, or not just dairy farmers, but livestock producers altogether. And so uh, that's one of my roles is I'll be uh, advocating for the livestock producer in those hearings and uh, really making sure that the farmers are set up for success when they try to grow and expand their operation. All right, Chris, it sounds great. Uh, I guess the last thing would be, you know, how do we get a hold of you? If, if we've, uh, since uh, you are on staff, here's a dedicated person that can help walk you through some of these options and uh, offer advice and insight and uh, ways on uh, moving forward. What's, what's the best way to get a hold of you at AFAN? Yeah, I, I encourage everybody to reach out and contact me either via my cell phone at 402-525-3199 or just shoot me an email at chris, with a K, K-R-I-S, B as in boy, at a-fan.org. All right. Chris, very good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, taking the time and visiting with us, and good luck in this new role with AFAN, okay? Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Again, we've been visiting with Chris Bosquet. He is now the Director of Livestock Development with AFAN, the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska. And uh, as we had said, he'll continue uh, being Executive Director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association as well. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reporting. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. U.S. stocks are falling as momentum slows following Wall Street's worst day in a month on worries about rising virus counts and Washington's inability to deliver more aid to the economy. The S&P 500 fell two-tenths of a percent in midday trading after earlier swinging between small gains and losses. Most of the stocks in the index were lower, particularly oil producers and other companies whose profits tend to track the strength of the economy. U.S. consumer confidence dipped slightly in October as coronavirus cases continue to rise across the country. The conference board reported today that its consumer confidence index fell to a reading of 100.9 from 101.8 in September. Consumer spending accounts for 70% of economic activity in the U.S., so a decline in confidence gets a lot of attention from economists 
especially as the U.S. heads into the holiday shopping season. Orders to U.S. factories for big-ticket manufactured goods rose a better-than-expected 1.9% in September, with a key category that tracks business investment showing a solid gain as well. The Commerce Department says the September rise in durable goods orders followed a smaller four-tenths percent increase in August and was the best gain since an 11.8% surge in July. U.S. home prices posted a robust gain in August, another sign that the American housing market is strong despite economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index shows that home prices were up 5.2% in August from a year earlier. Amy Coney Barrett has been formally sworn in as the Supreme Court's ninth justice. Chief Justice John Roberts administered the oath this morning at the court. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. It's time to give the Blazing New Trails 2020 Chevrolet Blazer to one lucky winner. Thursday, October 29th is the day we deliver it. Follow along on air and Facebook and Twitter as we travel across the KRBN River and Cami listening area offering clues and chances to win some summer swag. Thanks to these Blazing New Trails sponsors. Lexington Regional Health Center, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 43 locations serving Nebraska, Nutrient Ag Solutions and Heartland Chevrolet and Buick Lexington. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined on the phone by Mariah Rao. She is the Osceola FFA Chapter Advisor and Ag Education Instructor. Mariah, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. So today we're talking about a couple of different grants that your FFA chapter has received to really start fueling this school farm that you are putting in place. So tell us, if you would, about some of the grants that you've recently received. Yeah, for sure. So we recently received two different grants, one funded by Central Valley Ag and Union Bank, and then the other by National FFA. And together, those grants will be getting our school farm up and running, buying all of our fencing and waters, feeders, heat lamps, and then to purchase two breeding beef and four breeding ewes. So tell me where this idea of starting a school farm uh, got its start. So it was very much funded by our um, alumni members. We have a very strong alumni chapter here in Osceola. And this is my first year here, and I kind of came in with the property already purchased, and all we have is some land and a small shed, and then so far we've just talked to the community and the students and see what they would like to have going on out there, and that has fueled what we are going to try and get out there, what animals, and what we want to do with the school farm. But it was very community-based. So these grants obviously will help jumpstart the school farm, but tell me some of your ideas of taking this school farm and incorporating it into your ag education. For sure. I am going to base this very student-led, and my animal science class is going to be completely responsible for taking care of the animals out there. We should be having baby lambs starting this spring, and the kids should be out there every day, very hands-on based working with the lambs, vaccinating, tagging, banding, all of that stuff. So hopefully the, or the students will be exposed to exactly what it would be like if this was their own operation. I've heard of a lot of school farms on the collegiate level, whether it's at a community college around the state or you know even at the university, but I can't say that I've heard of a high school FFA chapter starting it. Uh, talk a little bit about that. So we've modeled 
a lot of what we want to do on schools in the area and outside the area. So there's a couple other high schools in our area that have setups that we base ours off of that are actually going to be much larger than ours were. And we just kind of took some ideas from other places here in Nebraska and also all around the country to kind of base what we wanted to do and get some ideas. So there was definitely lots out there for us to learn from, which was nice. Well, tell me about some of the other things that the Osceola FFA chapter does uh, within the school and community and within the FFA organization. For sure. This year, of course, has been a little bit different with all of the stuff going on with COVID, but we did a farm machinery auction and right, right when school started, we try and do a lot of community service. We have a coat drive going on right now. Um, we do feed the farmer. And then in the spring, we hope that we'll get to do some more of plant-based stuff, some more plant-based sales. Also on that school farm, we're hoping to plant a big garden and maybe some sweet corn and do some things like that. And hopefully the school year will allow us to do all of our plans. All right. Awesome information. Thanks so much for joining us. That again is Mariah Rao. She's the Osceola FFA chapter advisor and ag teacher as they have just earned a couple of grants to help launch their school farm. Broadcasting today from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And, John, the settlements come in. We tanked a little bit of profit out of this market here today. But 2020 as a whole has been an anomaly year from start now almost through to the last two months of the year. And the markets have been no different with this strong rally through harvest. We're now near the finish line for corn and for soybeans. So as we come in, what are farmers thinking about? They've got a strong market. They've gotten several CFAP payments. This has got to set up an interesting dynamic. It does. I mean, one 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 fellow called me today and said he'd let it off saying, John, we have a little bit of a tax problem. And uh, uh, to a certain degree that, you know, they've taken in, you know, this, this gentleman had held physical all the way through the spring, so he got a payment on tariffs, and then he got the, the original coronavirus payment, then he got this, this CFAP payment that's been two rounds, and he does cattle as well, so he's getting paid on those, and he just said, he's like, we're going to give half this back to the, to the government here. So I don't think anybody's going to hurry to sell anything, and that's where you see the front end of the curve really strong. I mean, I, there was a period of time here this morning, well, it wasn't this morning, we got close, where every single hedge in 2020 contract, this is going back to the summer of 2018 when we saw those strong rallies, was underwater. So, you know, you've basically brought a market to its knees here from the supply side. Um, and it's interesting because while prices are high and everybody's like, well, you should sell it. It's like, well, if, you, if you're holding corn, you have a place to put it. Same with soybean. There really isn't an incentive to sell other than the fact that the market could fall. Um, you know, the producer doesn't need cash. Most of them don't. And, uh, you know, to a certain degree, and I don't want to broad brush, brush this, but, you know, the, the payments of the government have stepped in and allowed folks to sell less physical. Now we're at a higher price, too, where they don't need to sell as much money to raise or sell as many bushels to raise that cash as they would have in years past. So kind of a cycle that feeds on itself to a certain degree. Um, that said, I think, you know, my advice would be to look at levels in, in March. So, you know, first of all, if, you, if your goal is to sh- shield yourself from taxes, you can you can take hedges, hedge losses. So look at an option position that would expire at the end of Christmas that gets you through the end of the year. You could have bought a 410 put that expires at Christmas for just around $0.10. Cents. So you can insure $4 through Christmas for $0.10. Cents. 
obviously if it goes up you're losing 10 cents but that's kind of the trade i think the way you would you would look at taking on the next couple of months because in reality if if Brazil doesn't have a good growing season here, we could see prices like, if you have currency flip, you could see prices like, election changes, prices could like. There's a lot of opportunity, both up and down, and I think taking advantage on the board, is, it's a good time to do that. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, training future adoption involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. And that'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of Midday. If you miss anything, you can go back and listen to our Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. That can be found at krbn.com or on iTunes.